we were to talk with any of you today, you would probably relate stories of people who did not show love the way they needed to. Maybe you've been burned by a friend or a family member. Maybe somebody stole from you who you considered to be a friend. Or some of you might hold some grudges that are so, so deep, and you forget what actually triggered it, but it is so embedded in you that you can't let go. And still others might tell you of abuse in one way or another. So what's the problem? Is loving people the wrong thing? Do we need to just go and build a wall around ourselves and just protect ourselves and not, not, not let anybody in? Does it really not work? Today's Father's Day, as we've said, and we are celebrating all dads, so happy Father's Day to all of you who are fathers and grandpas. And most dads, really, when it comes right down to it, are loving examples to their kids. Or in Eric's case, will be very, very soon, okay? And we're going to make sure you... No, I'm just kidding. And if that describes you, that's wonderful. But there are also some people in this room who struggle with Father's Day for a variety of different reasons. Maybe, maybe you lost your dad. Uh, maybe you don't know who your dad is. Or... Others have had distant or absentee or abusive fathers. And for you, this day may be difficult and it may bring some pain because the love that you experienced in what was supposed to be your closest relationships is dysfunctional at best. And as a result, you may be confused as to what love really is. We started a series of messages entitled, one direction, and please understand, we are not talking about a group called by that name that ended up going in different directions, okay? We are talking about our purpose and our vision as a church, what it is that we are called to do and who it is that we are called to be, and we have condensed the great commandment that Jesus gave in Mark chapter 12, along with the great commission that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 28, into a very simple sentence that pretty much summarizes what it is that we are about as a church. And simply put, we want to love God, we want to love people, and impact the world for future generations. And that involves showing love to our neighbor after we have grown to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then going to others and telling them about Jesus and sharing him with them and leading them to, 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 to respond to him in baptism and then going and teaching them again in a further way. I want to tell you that as Mechanicsville Church of Christ, we haven't fully mastered this. We're still trying. We're still on a journey. And that's okay. But it says and it summarizes what we want to be about and how we want to go about doing it at Mechanicsville Church of Christ. Two weeks ago, we talked about what it means to love God. And quite honestly, loving God is uncomfortable because it means total surrender to Him. But in order to, to really experience a life-changing love, a love that truly makes a difference, that's exactly what He demands of us. And last week, Eric spoke very practically about being light and darkness. For our graduates. And if we truly love God, He's going to shine through us. 
and we'll share him with those around us so that they too can be lights in the midst of a dark and troubled world. But then we come to the loving people part. And I want to suggest to you, friends and family, people that I love dearly, loving people is contingent upon loving God first. Loving people is contingent upon loving God first. When we leave God out of the equation, our love becomes so flawed and so conditional, so easily self-focused. What can you do for me? Or I'll love you if, or I love you because of this. If we love others without loving God, sometimes we can take place a child or a spouse, a parent, or somebody else in the position of being the one who is worshipped, and we give priority to them and to them alone. And then when their life comes to an end, or when the relationship ends, we find out that we have not loved well. The Bible teaches us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, that Love comes from, or that God is love. And later on in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says that, that love originates from God. Because his love is selfless, it's total, but it's also radical and uncomfortable. And he showed the extent of his love through the cross that we just sang about today. He showed the full extent of his love by giving of himself so that we could have life, so that we could be able to experience life abundant, not only here, but also for eternity. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were at our worst, God was at his best. When we deserved to die, He gave us life. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, does it? And yet that is exactly how crazy God's love is. And when we first love God and we place him in, pro in the proper place in our lives and allow for his spirit to do his transforming work in us and through us, we are then able to truly love others with a love that is life-changing. It's a love that's endless. It's a love that forgives. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Do you love like that? Or do you remember every little wrong thing that your spouse did, or that your dad did, or that your mom did? Do we love like that? And then, the, the chapter that we call the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, goes on to say that there are going to be things that we think are very, very important. And they are important while we're here. Faith, hope, being able to do some pretty fantastic things through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. All those kinds of things, they're going to end one of these days. But love will always remain. Love never fails. You see, that kind of love that God offers is a love that's going to last. And it affects us not only now, but for eternity. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. If you're not familiar with, uh, with 
how the Bible's set up. There are two sections to it. The, the first two-thirds of the Bible is the Old Testament. The last third is the New Testament. And then you get into four books that talk about the life of Jesus, and they basically tell his stories, and they also tell, tell of his teachings. And it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Turn to Luke and start out with verse 15, or chapter 15. And for the sake of time, I cannot read this entire chapter because that's what we're going to talk about, the entire chapter. But I do want to read the first two verses. Because Jesus went on to say through this chapter just how important loving people is. And here's the context. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to him to listen to him. But the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble. The Pharisees and the scribes were the religious leaders who thought that they had it all together, and they judged other people. And they began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. You see, folks, people of all stripes were flocking to hear Jesus. They loved him because he loved them. And these folks were anything but what you would call churched people. Do you catch my drift? They weren't religious. They lived life differently. They had pretty much said, I'm done. I'm done with going to the temple. I'm done with trying to be just like the Pharisees and the scribes. I'm done with all that garbage. I've got a better thing to do with my life. And as a result, they were rejected by their society. Nobody would have anything to do with them. And because these people flocked to Jesus and Jesus welcomed them and actually enjoyed being around them, Jesus was criticized. He was criticized for loving people. And in response to that criticism, Jesus told three stories in this chapter. He told the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And each of them speaks to us Because it tells us how it is that God sees people. He told about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and he lost one of them. And he left the 99 behind and he went looking for that lost sheep. Folks, sheep are helpless. I don't know if you've ever been around them, but they are helpless, helpless animals. They're also dumb animals. And the Bible says that we, like sheep, have lost our way and we have turned everyone to his own way. So sometimes we get lost very easily, don't we? And sometimes we're really dumb about it, aren't we? Can I get an amen on that? At least I do. Somebody can say amen real loud. No, never mind. But the human tendency, just like this sheep, is to look at people and to speculate at them being lost and in trouble and say, well, they're simply in the wrong place and with the wrong crowd. And we become very judgmental and we look down upon them and say, well, they just, they just were with the wrong crowd. You know. But just like a sheep who's lost and helpless, there are people who end up getting into messes and can't seem to get out of them And God loves those who find themselves in those messes. 
And just like the shepherd leads and goes after a sheep that is lost, he goes after us and he pursues us with a passionate, non-ending love. And he finds us at our point of need and he pulls us out of the mess and leads us safely home. And verse 7 concludes that story by saying, in the same way, there will be more joy over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. But at other times, there are people who are lost and don't know it. And Jesus tells the story of a woman who loses a coin now, coins are rather inanimate. Can I, do you understand what I'm talking about? They don't have, they don't, they don't communicate. I don't care what Disney does with them. They don't communicate. And so he's referring to somebody who just is lost and doesn't even know that they are. Paul Jenks can relate to this story. He came up to me a couple of months ago and he says, hey, Mark, can you pray for me? Now, please understand, Paul Jenks needs a lot of prayer, okay? So... No, <laughs> but, but he, had lost, he had lost his wedding band. He said he couldn't find it. And he said, can you pray for me that I'll find it? Because that meant a lot to him. And he had turned the apartment upside down. He had been everywhere. He had looked everywhere, it seems. He couldn't find it. And I agreed to pray for him. And others probably agreed to do the same. Two weeks ago, he came in, and he said, hi, Mark. And he had his hand up here. I was looking at him. I wasn't paying attention to what he was doing with his hand. And then he finally just went ahead and pointed to the, to the wedding band. Oh, you found it. Yeah. And he was ecstatic about it. Folks, that's the way God is. When people seem to be lost, but they don't even have a clue that they are. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say to me, Mark, I, I was lost, but I didn't know it. I didn't, have any, I didn't have any idea. But I'm so glad God found me. And the Bible says that when that happens, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Now, who's in the presence of the angels? It's God, isn't it? And I can only imagine God getting up from this throne and just starting to do dance and going around and say, yeah! And that's the thunder that you hear outside, you know, or whatever. You know, I'm just making it up. Uh, but, but anyway, he's having a party in front of the angels because somebody who didn't know they were lost were found. He went after them. He pursued them, and they were found by him. And the story of the son represents the person who's lost and rebellious. The kind that when we look at them, we say, well, they deserve everything coming to them and some. And Jesus tells the story of the son who had no respect for his father. As a matter of fact, wanted to have nothing to do with him. He wanted to go to the far country and, and live his life on his own. He rejected his dad being his dad. He said, I want nothing to do with you. 
And the actions that he took, particularly within the culture of the day, reflected that very fact. He wanted nothing to do with his father. And yet he found himself at a point of need, just like so many of the rebellious people that we know find themselves at a point of need where they're crying out to God and saying, hey, I need some help. He was sitting with some pigs and he was watching them get fed and he wanted to eat their food. He was so hungry. And he came to his senses, the Bible says, and he said, how many of my, the servants of my father are being treated in a much better way than this? How many of them are fully clothed? How many of them have food to eat on the table. And here I am. I'm going to go back and go to my father. And I'm going to say to my father, and he began rehearsing what he was going to say, Dad, I don't deserve to be your son. I, just make me one of your servants. And far off as he was coming back home, rehearsing his line, the dad saw him and he met him and he ran to him. And without a word, he just embraced him. And the guy started into his rehearsed line, Dad, I don't deserve to be your son. And he says, quick, tells his servants, quick, go fix things, make a party. We're going to have a great, great time. My son was dead and now he is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. And they began to party. And so many times we find ourselves in that kind of a situation. Because when we find ourselves in a point of need, after rebelling to God, we find that God stands ready to welcome us back. And that is the hardest grace to be able to accept. And yet it is the most marvelous grace that there is. Because when we have been rebellious and we don't deserve, God embraces us. And there are some people in this room who need to hear that message today. God loves you. He wants you in his family. He wants you to be connected with him. He wants you to know him. And he's ready and he's watching for you to willingly come home to him. But the thing that's also amazing is that God also loves the person who is lost and resentful. You see, there was another brother, the older brother, who had served the father faithfully. And when he finds out that his brother is back home, he throws a hissy fit. He won't even go in and say hi to him, much less party with him. And the dad has to come out and plead with him and say, hey man, come on in. This is good stuff. Your, your brother's back. And he won't have anything to do with them. And sometimes we who are in the church and have been in for a while can get that judgmental attitude about us. And we try to paint ourselves in a better light because we do all the right things. And when we do that, we are just as lost as the others we just talked about. 
You see, folks, God loves people passionately from all different walks of life and all different categories. And because of that, because we are his kids, we're called to love others too. To take the time to open our hearts, to open our homes, to open our availability to them. Spend time with others. Listen to others. Let them know that they're loved by a God who will stop at nothing to break through in their lives and to love them through us, his kids, who have the Spirit of God living in us and flowing through us. We love people by pointing them and leading them to Jesus. We love people by encouraging people in their walk with Jesus We love them when they're down, when they're discouraged, and try to provide a word of encouragement, dealing with loss, dealing with relapse, dealing with sickness. We love people when we point them to Jesus' call to follow him completely and challenge them to be more like him. But here's the point, and the Jesus point in the story. God loves all people. Can you say that with me? God loves all people. Now look at somebody you don't love. No. (laughs) But look around. Take a minute and look around. Look at the people around here. God loves all people. He loves all people. No exception. And the best way for us to love people is to tell others about the love of God expressed through Jesus Christ. Dads, a lot of times we think that we need to teach our kids some very important things, and they are important, such as how to take care of a car or maybe repair something around the house or to work hard or, or, or to how to treat members of the opposite sex, and normally we end up doing that by saying, go, tell, go talk to your mom. I'm just kidding. Because all of those things are important in life. But dads, I want to issue a challenge to all of us on this Father's Day. If you don't accomplish anything else with your child, or with your grandchild, teach your kids to love Jesus. Because that is the greatest act of love you can give. Because as they learn to love Jesus, they will also learn how to love others. Hamid is a Christian living in Pakistan. A nation that is 98% Muslim and only 1% Hindu and less than 1% Christian. Hamid grew up in a Christian family. And he watched persecution being fully expressed to his family. He watched and witnessed the beating of his dad. He saw others who were forced into slavery because of their beliefs in Jesus and forced to work in indentured service in brick kilns. He also saw others be killed because of their faith in Jesus. But after he became a Christian and after he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior and was baptized, Hamid began sensing that God wanted him to tell his Muslim friends about Jesus. And at first, he really resisted it because he hated these folks. 
But then as he was growing in his faith, he says, I started recognizing that he, referring to Jesus, had given his life for everybody. Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, everybody. Since that time, ample opportunities have come for Hamid to move to the United States and maybe even minister to people here in this area because there's a little bit more tolerance for those who are followers of Jesus. But he has chosen to stay in his home country because someone has to be there to love them and point them to Christ. And folks, if you are a guest here, we want you to know how passionate we really are about seeing you connect with God through Jesus Christ. That, that is part of our heartbeat. And yet at the same time, nobody's going to come at you and grab you by the throat or try to pressure you into something that you're not ready for. We will, however, love you. And we'll continue to speak God's truth with grace. We'll build relationships with you. We want to help with needs whenever they come up. So that you can understand and see that we believe that we're no different. We are just sinners saved by grace. And we would love for you to be able to experience that same reality. Because all of us have needs. And all those needs were met in Christ. And we have come to the point of knowing that we are no better at all. We believe that life hangs in the balance for every single person until we come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And church, I want to speak to you, members. Because one way we can end up showing love to guests is to take the time to get to know them beyond just saying hi out there in the foyer or running into somebody in the hallway, hey, how you doing? There's a whole lot more to loving people than just that. We do that just about every day. But we can stop. We can ask about family. We can ask their name. We could exchange contact information. We could invite them to our home for a cookout or go out to lunch together after church and just visit. Because those are good things to do. And everybody needs to eat. And if you come here, we want to encourage every single one of you to be a part of a life group. Because, you know, stop and think about it. How many people do you know very well by looking at the back of their heads? And some heads are uglier than others. That's why... I front, you don't see the back of my head. <laughs> uh, but but that's, that's just a reality, isn't it? And, and we, we don't have an opportunity to interact in a setting such as this. But we do when we are in a small group. And there are some groups that meet on Sunday mornings in, in Bible school classes. Others like Will's Thursday group and Pam's ladies group meet at other times. 
On Wednesdays this fall, there will be some other groups that adults can meet in as the kids have their youth groups. And coming this fall, I'm looking for some men to join me early on some weekday, maybe 7 o'clock if you want to be brave, or maybe even earlier if you need to, if we can find a restaurant that's open beyond, other than Waffle House. And we can go ahead and get together and study Scripture together. Start out the day or the week, whether it be a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday. And just enjoy being together because that is where relationships are built. As we share life and as we share God's Word together in more personal settings. That's where love becomes real. Vacation Bible School is launching tomorrow. It is a busy, demanding, and fun week. And by the time next Sunday rolls around, most everybody will be asleep sitting in this room. All the volunteers end up spending three to four hours each evening pouring into and loving kids from birth through fifth grade. It's a great way also to know some parents, many of whom have no church contact whatsoever. And kids are going to celebrate each night that God made them, that he is for them, and he's always with them, and will always love them. And if you want to show some love to some kids, and you just have a passion for kids, and you want to be involved, then you need to go over to the Kidsville area, registration area, which is over in that corner, and see Kelly. She'll be available to sign you up because she can always use extra folks. In a little over four weeks, we're going to host 30 to 40 homeless men here at this church building, and we're going to house them and feed them for a full week. And it's sponsored through the Caritas Ministry. And if you want to show love to the least of these in a very tangible way, there are sign-up opportunities out in the foyer, just outside the large main doors. Folks, I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is for everyone. He is not just for a select few. He loves the rich and the poor. He loves the settled and the homeless. He loves the young and the old, as well as those in between. He loves the Democrat, the Republican, the Independent, the Libertarian, and whatever else party you want to come up with. He loves the single, the married, the divorced, the resentful, the rebellious, the endangered, and the oblivious. He loves and accepts us just as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. And the way he, primary way he has demonstrated his love is by giving his life for us through the cross so that we could have life but he also demonstrates his love when we, his people, allow for his love to flow through us. When we choose to love others just as we have been loved. So don't miss this. You're loved. You're loved by the God of the universe, and so are your friends. And I'd like for us to close this time with a time of reflection and prayer. Maybe somebody comes to mind for you that you think, oh, I need to share Jesus' love with them. I don't know how to do it yet, but I need to. We have a prayer wall in the back. There's some sheets of paper in, in the container in the holder over there. We want to give you an opportunity, if you will, to go back there and write down the name 
of somebody that you're going to share Jesus' love with in some meaningful, tangible, concrete way. We're going to sing as we go along through this. You're going to hear some music playing. Worship as you're going to the back. You can also worship as you make your way back up front. But we urge you, if God is speaking to you and putting somebody on your heart, go and put their name up there, and we will pray for those folks. There will be people who will be doing that. Father, in the name of Jesus, just lift up this time of worship to you. I pray, God, that that we will take a stand with arms high and heart abandoned in all the one who gave it all that we will stand before you as those who have been forgiven and just simply want to show others and help others how they can experience that same forgiveness. Guide our time, I pray. Use it. Speak to us. May we act. In Jesus' name.